0: Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard as if sung by the voice of angels that hearing we might believe, and believing obey. Amen. I've always thought that Christmas music should wait to be played until the moment that Santa Claus closes up the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Sadly for me, I have a wife and several children who disagree. And so it was a few days before Thanksgiving even came, before the turkey was even taken out of the freezer, that I was in the car with my wife and the Christmas tune came on. Mindlessly, I started singing along. And my wife started grinning. See, you're not a Scrooge, she sing-songed. I was flabbergasted. I didn't know that me being a Scrooge was even on the table. I'm a minister of the word and sacrament. My entire December revolves around the story of Christmas. How could I be a Scrooge? In my car rider line video, which is something I put on social media every week, actually Rachel does, I tried to prove that I was not a Scrooge by listing my top five favorite Christmas songs. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? My top five, to my mind, these are undisputable. (laughs) Mariah Carey, yeah, number five. I don't want a lot for Christmas. Number four, Bing Crosby's "I'll Be Home for Christmas." Three, Crosby and Bowie on "The Little Drummer Boy." Do you know that one? Two, have yourself a very uh, a merry little Christmas. And number one, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. How did I do? Yeah? I'm not a Scrooge. Don't believe it. How about if I share my top five Church Advent? And Christmas songs. Do you have a favorite? Maybe we'll play it. Number five for me, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Number four, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Number three, have I said your favorite yet? Once in Royal David City. It's a sleeper. (laughs) Number two, Silent Night. Number one, In the Bleak Midwinter. Uh? See, I'm not a Scrooge. I promise, I'm not a Scrooge. If that's all it took. If that's all it took to prove you're not a Scrooge. To be connected to a song, though. Maybe there's something in there that can unlock the real reason for the season from inside our hearts. Now, I can't imagine that Jolly old St. Nicholas is going to do that, to unlock the real reason for the season. I can't see Frosty the Snowman bringing transformation to us, making us better, leading us toward love. But the right Christmas song can. Maybe even the first one. The first song of the season, which was, of course, written and performed... By Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Magnificat, a sprawling solo given life by the hospitality of her cousin Elizabeth. Originally, see, that song was performed just for her, just for Elizabeth, an audience of one. But since then, that song has hit airwaves through space and time. It burst forth after Mary had come a long distance by a hazardous road. The last we heard before this visit, she had been given the news by an angel that she was to give birth to the Savior, who is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And hers will be the child that, that they've been waiting for, the sprout from the stump of Jesse. Remember that text from Isaiah? It was prophesied 700 years earlier. She's no more than 14 years old, this Mary, We should remember that in the last scene with the angel just a few verses ago, she's described as greatly troubled. Yes, she closes the encounter by uttering the words, Here I am, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. But can't you just hear her voice quiver? Something about her cousin's house, though. Brought it out of her. Brought the song out of her. Have you ever been around people like that? The kind of people that draw out something special in you. Have you ever been around someone like that? Don't you want to be around people like that? The kind of people that draw out the very best in you, the song in you, the song of your life the one you were meant to sing. Do you know people like that? I'm afraid these days we have many more people that have the opposite effect. Those that are drawing not the special out of us, but the sad and insecure out of us. Some of them even get paid a lot of money to do this. to work us up through television, radio, social media. They do not bring out the song of our lives. They bring out the groans and grunts of our troubled selves. Sometimes we fall into the trap of copycatting that in our lives. Of dousing the world around us with more negativity. Where are the Elizabeths? Where are they? The Elizabeths. Where are the ones that will find us in our moments of vulnerability and distress and offer positivity and comfort, the kind that draws out the song of our lives? Where are the people that open the door and let us in when we need it most? Where are the people that open the door when our feet are tired and we haven't been ourselves in too long? Where are the ones that let us in when we are poor? Pope Francis says that there's an old tradition even in Some Italian regions, he says, I'm sure some people still follow it, leaving an empty chair, an empty chair for the Lord at Christmas dinner, and believing that He will surely come knocking at the door in the person of a poor person in need. Does your heart have a space for such persons? Is there a place in my heart for such people? Or are we too busy attending to our friends and social events and other engagements in which we'll never let us have a space for such people? Let us care for the poor in whom we find Jesus, who became poor for our sake. Let us not be contempt like the people in the gospel to admire the beautiful stones of the temple while failing to recognize that God's true temple Our fellow men and women, especially the poor, in whose face, in whose history, in whose wounds we encounter Jesus. He told us so. Let us never forget it. Elizabeth saw, upon her visit, Elizabeth saw that Mary was a temple. She was a true temple of the Lord. And she let her in, and she gave her space, and she loved her. She loved her the best way she knew how, and so she drew out that song. I met another woman like that here at the church. Her name was Jem. One of the last times that she ever spoke to me, we were in Jem and Dewey's house. She had opened the door to us. She was making a meal for us. And I can remember for some reason the full table, the oven, the smell coming out of it. I can remember that she insisted that we had to stay for dessert at lunchtime. I imagine that Jem made so many meals. She prepared a table like the 23rd Psalm tells us that God prepares a table, prepares a table, creating that space, being welcoming Host. I can imagine that you can picture her there, especially if you knew her, moving around that space like a ballet dancer. That was her home. People came to Jem... For the same reason that Mary came to Elizabeth, people came to Jem for comfort. They came to her at her home, like I said. They came to her, she was a nurse. They came to her for that. They came to her as a loving wife, a mother, a grandmother. They came to her for the comfort that God wants all of us to have for so many things. The kind of comfort that draws out a song. And so it was that Jem lived a life surrounded by song. Her time at the piano, literally, right? Her place in the church choir. The musicianship of her children and grandchildren. She literally was surrounded by by song. But see, that is the benefit. That's the true privilege of the Elizabeths. To be a person that offers the space and help and comfort and optimism that draws out a song, it turns out that you get to be one of the ones blessed by hearing it. If your life is full of noise right now, what part of that noise are you drawing out? If your life is full of song, what a blessing for you. For the one singing it, but also for you. How it must have been for Elizabeth to hear Mary sing. She too was in need of inspiration, Elizabeth, right? She was pregnant in her old age. She too faced deep uncertainties. Her child would be John the Baptist, facing the great task ahead of preparing the way of the Lord. How the song, the one that she drew out, how it must have blessed her. And so it was with Jem. Jem, who suffered a stroke not long after that lunch that she hosted in her home. I remember when that first happened. How shattering that was. They didn't know it at the time, but she wasn't going to sing or play the piano again. At least not like she did before. I can remember the hospital. Her family huddled off into corners, you know, like you do. I can remember her door, the door to her room. It was closed when I arrived to see her for the first time. I came up close to the door, and I almost knocked. But I didn't, because I heard something before I could knock. It was the sound of a violin. I'd never heard a violin in a hospital room before. And I haven't since. I waited. I just stood there and listened. And when it stopped, I took a few steps away from the door. And after a minute or two, a person came out. A young woman, maybe Mary's age with a violin case wiping tears from her eyes. I found out later that was Jem's granddaughter. And I imagine it was a lot like the time Mary was singing to Elizabeth. Jem had spent her life living as a person who drew out the beautiful song of others. Even the beautiful song inside of her granddaughter and that song came to her when she needed it the most. Sometimes we extend comfort. And sometimes that comfort comes back around to us. That day, comfort came to her. And today, in Advent, as we come closer and closer to Christmas, God wants you to know that comfort is coming to you. Like the sound of a granddaughter's violin in a hospital room. May our time together be drawing out a song in you. May that be part of what this is. For us to come and be gathered on a Sunday morning. May this be drawing out a song in you. May it be giving you a sense of how God intends to bring the comfort of His Son, Jesus. Jesus, who is God's Magnificat. Jesus, who is God's opus and truest song. Jesus, who is a song meant to flood our ears, a song meant to enliven this space, meant to mold our hearts, that we might remember well and live even better. Live so well, in fact, that we won't need to tell anyone that we are not a Scrooge. We all will know full well that we're not because we're surrounded by people, young and old, rich and poor, with lives that are singing Amen.